so, um, yeah, well, it's an honor to just have the opportunity to study the names of God. And today I'm just kind of want to study with you guys and just I want to uh, orient us just to the whole kind of study. We're not going to focus on any particular name today, but, um, you know, kind of my, um, you know, opening question is, uh, you know, why names for God? What's in a name? Um, and it's, uh, you know, this simple question, but, you know, I think it's something we really, um, we take for granted. Um, and, you know, just some quick reflections on names. It really, our whole language is make, uh, made up of names, right? So even if I say something like, uh, Sam hit the ball, every word in that is really, except for the, is a name, right? So I've got Sam, which is a name for a person. I have a ball, which is a name for the object. And then I have hit, which is even a name for the action that he's doing. And, um, you know, I think we're kind of, some of this accords with what we were doing today uh, in our sermon, uh, which I think is kind of providential, is, you know, we were asking that question about the identity of God, right? And when we get to the, I, how do we, how do we convey identity? The first way we, you know, when we first meet each other, uh, the initial way we can start to convey our identity is our name. And so, you know, really the idea of names is also, I think, a condescension on God's part. Um, um, why does God need a name other than God itself? But even that's a name, right? So, so you know, they're just you know. I just want to point out that they're tools by which we make reference, and they can refer to hard things, and they can also refer to concepts like sin or love or existentialism, and um, and all those things help us. Um, reference ourselves in the universe and while this may sound a little oversimplified but when we are talking about the names of God and we start talking about his name it's re- referencing it, it helps us build reference to God and orient ourselves to him and because um, who God is and what he is, is very much, um, uh, yeah, we'll just pause for a second. Hey. No, no, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Mm-mm. There's more. It is. It is a good problem. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. It's good. Deacon, do we have some fold-out chairs in the? That's. I know there's four in the room, but I don't have a key, so. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe somebody could help her. That'd be great. So, 
So we'll just go over some of the basics here while they're getting that. But so let's just talk about names in the ancient world. So in the ancient Near East, um, you know, t- this is this is where you know most of the the names we encounter for God are in the Old Testament, and then those names are recycled in the New Testament. Uh, even you know in our prayer, the Our Father, you know, that is a term. That it's an epithet for God that begins to start in the prophets. So, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There's boom, 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 a bunch of names. And so, in, 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 in very much um, in the ancient Near East, even among the pagan gods, um, it, names were very functional. So, if you remember the god Baal in the Bible... Baal is the fertility god, okay? And so the head of the pantheon, as we're going to learn, was El. And the, the Hebrews intentionally take that, gen, that's like our, our general name for God, and they tweak it and create Elohim. And we'll talk more about that when we get to the name of Elohim. But it's very functional because Baal was considered the offspring of El in, uh, in the Canaanite religion, and so, um, and the rain was considered his seed to fertilize the earth. So you see the impact when Elijah comes along and shuts up the heaven for three years. What it means is Yahweh just castrated Baal through Elijah. So it's a very, very impactful thing because Baal's functions no longer work. He's impotent. And so those functions those functional ideas for uh, uh, these gods was uh, really important. And, um, and so uh, this one writer, John Walton, said, if ancient cultures considered something to exist when it had a name and function, then the name of the deity is more than simply a moniker by which he or she can be invoked. It is God's identity, and it frames God's existence, and that's going to be really important as we talk more about the names of God, especially the divine name, uh, which we think was pronounced Yahweh. And so um, that frames who God is. And so uh, this framing of who God is in the Bible we become very evident in the story of Exodus, um, of the calling of Moses in Exodus um, 3 and 4. I'll uh, read something real quick. Um, This is very interesting. Is Moses, um, when he's called by God, even though he's presented as the God of your fathers, you notice that Moses actually goes ahead and still asks, what do I call you? Right? He says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they asked me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, that I am has sent me to you. So we'll dig into that text a lot when we get there. But, um, you know, um, how we refer to ourselves and how we refer to each other is pretty, can be pretty powerful. And, you know, I think the big thing I, you know, um, want to, I think, you know, the, the, the nursery rhyme, 
or the, the little rhyme we, many of us learn, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I think it's kind of indicative of how we think about names today compared to, uh, I know myself, when people called me names when I was a kid, it actually did hurt me. So I didn't, I didn't like it, and I noticed my kids don't like it and things like that. And, um, and so, you know, names can be treated kind of uh, um, flippantly today. And, you know, my first name, Todd, is self-admittedly, um, it's not a functional name. It was a fad of the 1970s. So there's tons of guys in their 40s now named Todd. And I don't know if you've ever seen George Carlin's, I'm not recommending it, his, I'm sick of guys named Todd. And it's kind of funny, but the language is bad, so I'm not recommending it to you. But, uh, but it, it was kind of indicative of this wave of guys with these new names. And, uh, you know, so I've kid, I've kid around my, my last name is Murphy, which hails from County Cork, Ireland, it means sea warrior. But the name Todd actually means something more like wily fox, can even mean thief. So I've, I've always kid around that my mom named me a pirate, uh, even though I'm not much into plundering things. And so anyways, but it could, it could be, but I like to give things back. I'd rather be reading a book than pillaging the high seas. So, but, um, and if anyone has a thought or, you know, um, just please uh, speak up any, any questions or, so I'm just kind of, for those of you who, who just got here, we're just kind of framing what we're going to do in the study today. Um, so, Comment, please. Um, you guys know I don't see kids, I don't work with them, but I work with uh, a lot of uh, therapists, psychologists, what have you, who see kids. Yeah. And kids, kids are being slaughtered by names. Mm. Slaughtered by mm. names. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they're not just words. Yeah. They have deep meaning. Um, and these kids just are being taken down by them. Yeah. Yeah, the kind of, uh, you know, slander and, you know, control of the tongue, as we mentioned today it's in the sermon, it's not something that is taught as much. And in our media, it, you know, even cartoons I see, you know, uh, children's programs can have very sarcastic tones. Of yeah, I just keep laughing uh, when people talk about, oh, names don't mean anything. But I always refer in my mind to Scripture where it says, um, and God said, let, let yeah. 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 And then let there be, let there. Yeah. He created with words. Right. Words are creative or they destroy. Wow. That's what I always keep in my heart. Right. Words can do. And if God creates with words, that's how powerful they are. Absolutely. Oh, that's, 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 uh, and, you know, uh, what you mentioned there is, you know, when in the call of Jeremiah in the first chapter of Jeremiah, you know, he says, you know, that he's going to, he's going to build up and tear down uh, through his prophetic ministry. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what you just said that, you know, that words create or destroy, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the son of God. is identified with the Word, right? He's identified as the Word become flesh. 
and he creates, he gives life, and he'll also judge the world. So that's a great insight. Um, long ago, I heard that there's a, another translation of I am who I am is he who causes to be. Mm. He who what? He who causes to be. Uh, I'm just picking up on yeah. what Marion was saying. And do you think that's a... Do you think that's a legitimate translation? Yeah, yeah, and when we get into the divine name, um, we'll get into that a little bit more because I think it's, uh, you know, that opens into a massive discussion of existence and being, you know, there's probably some tongue-in-cheek that he's saying, you know. Um, it's kind of like a, I am, yeah, tell him every, tell him he who is everything sent you, you know, and... Uh, uh, Yeah, you know. So there's a lot of. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's an, a very interesting Hebrew word there uh, to be, or exist. So, so, John. I, I wasn't here at the very beginning. But yeah. Were you saying that uh, people were named certain things because that was the aspiration of their parents uh, in the Old Testament? Well, it, it very much, especially with the gods and you know the gods of the ancient Near East, names were meant to uh, point to their function, um, you know, and, you know, you do see that with um, many of the names of the people in the Bible, um, you know, it, uh, and sometimes even the, it, it's very clear that the, the names in the Bible are sometimes intentionally changed. Uh, Jezebel is a great one. Um, her real name in, in, in Phoenician would have been Yezavul, which is where is the prince but the Hebrew writer changed it to Yezavel, which is where is the trash. And um, so, you know, we know she was Phoenician. You wouldn't name your daughter, where's the trash? But the writer of Kings did, <laughs> you know? So. Just to kind of back on to that comment, not so much in Western culture, but in Eastern culture, especially where I'm from, um, the name has a huge meaning because... Uh, mm. The first name is typically going to be the aspiration yeah. of what you want the kid to be. Um, and the last name is usually a percent of uh, the title for the profession of the parent. So for example, in my, na in my name, my last name is Mutali. Um, and that was not it, the name that my ancestors had. My ancestors name was completely different. But one of my ancestors in the past became the seal bearer, you know, the royal seal bearer. Oh. So nothing became law until the royal seal bearer had put the king's seal on it. Mm -hmm. And the seal bearer's mm. title was Mutalik. So now because he got that job, <laughs> my entire family is now named Mutalik. Mm. So that's how we got our last name. Yeah. And it's the profession. It identifies, to a certain extent, the stature yeah. of the person within the society. Wow. Uh, my first name, Praveen, was given to me by my parents, and it's basically loosely translated, and no comments from your Father Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Here it comes. Translated means expert. So they essentially wanted me to be an expert in anything that I did, and so that's how oh. the uh, names have great. a lot of meaning. You don't mm. just arbitrarily go, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's, I'm the product of my culture. 
Uh, so um, that's great. Thank you, uh, Deacon Praveen. So, um, so I just want to talk, I want to kind of shift to types of names of God and, um, you know, and what is most important to us in the study is, you know, what they say about the character of God, which, you know, Deacon Praveen's uh, comments were extremely helpful and so what I want to, us to kind of focus our mind on now or kind of turn to is is question of the, the fundamental ways that the Bible expresses the character of God. And we saw some of that today in the psalm with God is judge. You know, that's a, it's giving us a character trait of God. So there's two basic ways the Bible expresses to us the character of God which is namely um, through law, okay, which in the Hebrew Bible is called Torah. So these are commandments. And then also through story. And these both have a very important impact on uh, how we understand God. So um, let's think of a commandment together. Somebody think of one commandment. You shall not covet. Okay, so, so that, this is an expression of God. It's the 10th commandment, and it's really important because it kind of, uh, kind of summarizes almost everything that went before it. And uh, so what does it tell us about the character of God? What does thou shalt not covet tell us about the character of God? Gives us all we need. Yeah. So he's giving, right? What else? Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and you see where we could keep going, because the 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 commandment is meant to it, it's a it, it's a a clear statement of what God wants, and when any authority makes a clear statement of what they want, then it tells you what their priorities are. Right? If God wants you to not murder, then He loves people. You know, if he tells you to not steal, it means because he regards them and their property and wants them respected. And all the commandments generally refer, they reference us back to God or to his people, and usually to his people. And second, it also shows how much he understands us and yeah, who we are. Absolutely. And, and the struggles that you will have. Absolutely. Absolutely, it definitely does. So, so that's one of the key, that's one of the quickest ways to see God's um, character. But to really fill out the character, then you have the stories, right? You have the narratives of the Bible, and then we have the picture. You know, like Jesus sitting with the woman caught in adultery. I mean, what kind of things does that story tell us about the character of Jesus and the character of God? Compassion. Yeah. Compassion on what kind of person? Yeah, a sinner, right? Broken, uh, in need of grace and those things. So, you know, the stories. And, and the, the key thing for us here is that when we encounter the names of God, we usually encounter them in the story. Okay, we usually encounter them in a story, um, not as much in law. They are mixed in there, too. But when we encounter, when we encounter the divine name, especially, we encounter in a story of the call of Moses. 
okay? When we encounter, uh, you've uh, heard the, uh, the name uh, Jehovah Jireh, or in Hebrew it's Yahweh Yirah. Um, it's encountered in a, in a story about what? Anybody remember which story it is? God gives us what we need. Yeah. Do you, does anyone remember what the story is? What chapter? It's Genesis 22, and God gives him something. And he says, God, our provider. He says, God will provide a lamb. And so he Isaac. Okay, and so when you encounter the name Yahweh Yirah, God, our provider, you're having it in the context of this idea of substitution. It's not just, it's, it's not anything less than God meets our physical needs, but there is a redemptive story here. And this cannot be read apart from the New Testament where Jesus is the lamb uh, who is caught on uh, a tree, just like the lamb in that story. You know, and you see that analogy. So, um, um, so the rabbis, just to kind of give us another kind of perspective on that, the ancient, you know, the rabbis uh, who came out of that second temple period Jesus li lived from, they came up with two uh, teaching, um, two teaching methods that they referred to. One of them was called halakha, okay, which is from the Hebrew word halak, which means to walk, okay? And that was their way of referring to law, okay? Law. So law for them showed you the direction of how to walk. The word Torah that we usually translate law comes from a word that means to like teach or instruct. So the best understanding of Torah is direction. You're giving a direction. It's inseparable from that idea of the Shema that I quoted this morning where, you know, after the Shema he says, you know, when you, you will teach these things to your children when you rise up and when you lie down when you sit at table, and so on. So it's instruction, it's direction, it's pointing us in the, in the right direction. So that's what the, the Torah is meant to do. And so that's what they would refer to that kind of teaching as halakha. And that's coming from like Enoch, remember Enoch and Noah, he was righteous, and so he walked with God. And that language, if you kind of pay attention to it, you'll start seeing that the path and walking, and that stuff comes at that imagery is all over the New Testament. You know, the two ways, you know, Jesus, there are two paths. Psalm 1. Yeah, Psalm 1, exactly. So these two ways idea is all over the New Testament, all over the Bible, all over the Old Testament. You know, the, these two ways, the, the ways of God and the ways of destruction, the ways of the righteous, the ways of the wicked, and so on. And so the other teaching method they refer to as um, agada, which meant to um, kind of proclaim. And that was um, more or less your narrative, your stories. And so that's when they would comment on the, the narrative portions of the Bible. Or they would also use lore 
and tell stories. There's a, there's a, 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 a famous rabbinic story that you know, is made up. It's not a true story, but it's a rabbinic fable of Abraham uh, when he's a child smashing his father Terach's idols. And according to this rabbinic story, which would be more in this um, Agada, um, uh, Abraham is disgusted with his father's idols, so he goes and smashes all, all his idols. And his father comes back and says, um, who smashed all my idols? And um, Abraham said, that idol over there smashed all the idols. And he says, well, that's ridiculous, Abraham. An idol can't do anything. And he says, you're right, Dad. <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a fun and wise rabbinic saying. And, you know, um, and I share that just because, uh, um, you know, they love to teach through stories, and that's very much where we encounter the character of God, and that's where we encounter the names of God. And as I was just saying about walking, um, I'll just read real quick about uh, in Genesis 48, 14, um, Jacob is blessing Joseph's children. And he says this, he says, and Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and the left hand upon the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who had led me all my life long to this day. And I think it's a very, that verse uh, 15 there is a very intimate thing. He, and you see what he, he talked, he referred to Abraham and Isaac as they, they walked before uh, before this God. And, and then he expresses how this same God has cared for him, how he led me all my life, all my life long to this day. So um, uh, it's, it's a great picture of how we, we uh, see the character of God in these stories. And so, you know, as we get into the, so, you know, the way in which we will um, go about this is really through the text themselves, you know, as we're, you know, and progressively we want to look at these um, texts where new names appear and then um, uh, and then see how God is interacting. So, um, so there's, there's, there's multiple ways to go about a study. There's not one right way to go about the study of the names of God. But one of the common ways that we do things is um, through word study. And word study is a very effective and very helpful tool. But I like to think of it as kind of a general map that gets us into the neighborhood. And then when you want to really dig down deep, you have to kind of get into the neighborhood and you, you know, to get on the doorstep of where you're going um, takes a little bit finer point. It takes a, a more detailed map. And so getting into the stories themselves and letting the stories tell us. And that's partly 
kind of a rabbinic uh, process at times. You know, they're a little bit okay with, um, uh, you know, good questions being left open to think about. You know, a great, a great example being, um, you know, even the name um, God, uh, Elohim, that we're going to encounter. There's a very, one of the most important texts on that is, um, in the day you eat of it, you will become as God or gods. You see, the name there, Elohim, is actually plural. And we're going to talk about Elohim next week. But it leaves it open. It's not clear in the Hebrew whether it's uh, God, the one God, or you shall be as gods, petty gods. And the Hebrew's not clear at all. And the rabbis are totally okay with that. And both answers are probably right. You're not going to become as the one God. You're going to become as petty gods. But you will know good and evil as God in some sense. And uh, so that story will be uh, fun to go through. Um, so, yeah, that leads us to kind of, you know, the narrative shape of the study is it, it, we're going to um, focus this course um, along those, along story, narrative lines. And, uh, uh, but, but, but they are also, you know, we want to uh, orient them, you know, we learn each name in the context of a story, but the name is all, all also set in a larger story, right? Because each story of the Bible, if we're talking about Abraham, or we're talking about uh, Hezekiah, or we're talking about Jesus, uh, they're all set in this larger story of what Jesus is doing. And so the names of God are expressing to us key points in the character of God. They don't express to us the full character of God, but they express to us the essential character of God for us to, like I said at the beginning, to orient ourselves to God and to his character and to who he is. And, you know, if we think about the woman caught in adultery, um, you know, and whatever story we're dealing with, a story like that shows us the mercy and compassion of God. So when we're beating our chest over our own, our own sin, a story like that, or a story like uh, Jehovah Jireh, is something that welcomes us to God. It welcomes us into his presence. And so what we're going to do is... Uh, um, move through this study um, on the path of the bigger story, on the path of what I call, of what we call progressive revelation, right? So we're going to kind of begin at the beginning. We're going to, you know, uh, we're going to begin next week on Elohim, El, Elohim. And our only caveat to that is we're going to jump up to Exodus and talk about the divine name, you know, the call of Moses, because... Many of the other names are based on that, right? So we have Jehovah Jireh or, you know, or Yahweh Yirah, or we have Yahweh Ra'oi, um, and different other names that we encounter throughout the story of the Bible. And so, um, but that's what we want to do is let those 
kind of unfold um, with the story. And, um, and so the idea is, is with each story, some new facet about uh, God and his character is um, revealed to us. So, um, yeah, I just want to open up for any questions or thoughts. We, we had a little bit less time today, but um, 